Hey everyone, um, welcome back to Vanessa on Films, a podcast where we discuss uh, film and TV news. Um, this is episode 12. It's just gonna be me. Um, I'm trying to keep this short, I guess, but you know, as mentioned, I say that and then it like never actually happens. But yeah, I'm gonna just like get right into like some stuff that like, if you're listening to this, is probably gonna interest you. Um, yeah, so I mentioned it last week when I had my episode with Juan, but um, my interview with Emma Seligman is going to be dropping sometime this week. Um, this episode is, of course, going to be um, released on Wednesday, as they usually always are. Uh, that might change. I don't know. Like, depending on if I have something, like, they might it might, I might have to, like, move dates around and stuff like that, but anyways, um, yeah, so the special episode, um, it's, like, an actual, like, video interview, um, with Emma that will be premiering on OKIDU Live. I don't exactly know when, but definitely sometime this week before the wide release of Bottoms. Um, I think the best way to just keep updated with that is to follow me on social media. Again, um, it's Vanessa on Films, easy enough. So Twitter, Instagram, and even on Letterboxd, if that's your thing. Um, and yeah, um, I'm going to link like all that stuff in like the description. And I think that is just the best way to keep updated with that. So the video should be up on OKDU Live and like on demand really soon. Um, I'm going to be sharing a bunch of stuff regarding that. Like I'm going to post about it. And uh, yeah, I, I'm really excited to just see it. Um, it feels really weird, like, watching myself interview someone that I, whose, like, work I really love. Um, it just, it, it felt weird, like, editing it and stuff like that. And, uh, but it, it was, it was a really good experience. I'm happy that I did it and, like, um, it's gonna be out there in the world soon. This film was so great. Like, I'm gonna talk about it more in this episode, but yeah, so I think just the best way to keep updated with that is to follow me on social media. I'll definitely post about it when it is up, and uh, yeah, I'm really, really excited for it to just be literally out there in the world, and yeah, there's a lot of, like, questions that I'm really glad that I asked her. It's, it was just cool getting to learn a little bit more of, like, um, yeah, like the behind the scenes process of the film, of uh, inspirations behind it, how the set was like, that was really cool. I'm, I don't know, I hate, I hate like gimmicky interviews. Um, it, it, like when, when they ask, like, like people ask, it, it, it definitely does have to do with like the TikTokification of like, if you want, if we want to call it like film criticism or like, um, you know, red carpets and stuff like that but anyways it's kind of annoying when i don't know it's that whole thing of like let's play a game it's like i don't like like do you think they actually want to do that i don't know but anyways uh so it was just nice to like talk to her about the um the the film uh again it was like one of my most anticipated movies of the year and it like totally lived up to my expectations so i'm really really excited about that um the episode is part of this series or this show that I had for OKIDU Live called That's a Wrap. I created, it's essentially what I'm doing on this, but it was a video format. Um, and yeah, I didn't really have guests, um, but uh, yeah, it, I, I'm, I'm really glad that I also got to do that. And it was just basically me sitting and talking about the news and it was a video format instead of a podcast format. And usually the episodes were 
10 to 15 minutes, whereas this one, they could go for like 30 minutes plus. But anyways, yeah, so follow me on social media to like find out more about my interview. And um, I, you know, as usual, as usual, that's not, sometimes I don't know what I'm saying, but the, the, the thing is, um, I usually open with a question or like an opening rant um, specifically when I have a guest on the show, the guest is usually always one, but anyways, um, my opening rant regarding this, I would have asked Juan about, we probably would have talked about Oppenheimer again, which I think we did talk about it in a previous, um, episode, which you should go back and listen to them. But I, I kept thinking about the Casey Affleck inclusion in Oppenheimer and I know people are probably going to start thinking well what is she going to say about this but listen and honestly I was just going to talk about how that like his I don't even want to call it a cameo because like it feels weird to like talk about cameos in a biopic like I don't think that's what this was but anyways it just felt weird because his inclusion in the movie really had the opposite effect that like a guest star in a sitcom would um, and what I mean by that is that he was genuinely so terrifying. And I feel like it being... Let's just say someone else was playing the character. It also would have been, like, terrifying. Like, um, he was playing Colonel Passion. Like, yeah, I mean, if someone else was playing the character and was playing it the way that Casey was, it definitely would have felt like that as well. Um, when I heard... I think... It, maybe I'm like remembering this wrong, but I know that I think the character was speaking um, before they showed his face. And that definitely played into this kind of like sinister nature of the character. Yeah, so it was, it, it kind of was like this build up towards like the tension regarding the character. Um, but yeah, like I was listening to the voice. I'm like, wait, who is that? And then I I completely forgot that Casey Affleck was in the movie or that he got cast in the movie. But um, yeah, when I saw him, I literally was like, oh, oh, it's it's getting weird. Like, I don't know. It just it was so off-putting. And I feel like, yeah, even if if someone else was playing the character, it would have been off-putting. But like the fact that it's him. Yeah, like, I think everyone knows what I'm talking about. It was just, it was kind of like a jump scare. Yeah, definitely like the opposite effect that a guest star in a sitcom would have. Like, instead of cheering, I was like, get this man off the screen. But anyways, that's what I think I would have spoken about if I had a guest. But whatever, I'm here, so I'm going to be talking about it. It was just, it was just genuinely, like, off-putting. And I was like, I hate every second that this man is on the screen. Get him off. But anyways... Let's get into the news. So this has definitely been a long time coming. I'm really, really glad that it's happening. But visual effects um, artists and crews at uh, Walt Disney, so Disney Studios, are actually getting set to unionize. So about 80% of them um, have signed authorization cards, which essentially states that they want to unionize. So it's most likely going to happen. Um, I think everyone who's I guess, knowledgeable of the industry has definitely seen a lot of the criticisms regarding how Disney treats their VFX crew. 
but also I think in a lot of Disney projects, VFX gets shit on, at least in recent projects. And that's definitely because it's not to say that the people are not talented. Like, they do look like shit a lot. It's just there's a lot that goes into making these projects look good. And if they don't have proper time and, you know, aren't being paid fairly, etc., they are not going to be producing their best work. And so, yeah, they're set to unionize. Um, I'm going to give an example that I really, really thought was, it's not even like something that is surprising. It's just a good example to like set, set the picture for this. So the VFX coordinator named Mark Patch, um, he had to work 16 hour shifts when he was working on WandaVision. That's actually nuts. Like he would have to skip breaks and stuff like that. So, I mean, if we just put that into context, like, the fact that they are unionizing just makes sense. He ended up quitting, obviously. Like, I don't think, I don't think any sane person would want to stick with that. But anyways, yeah, so he had to work, like, 16-hour shifts, um, which is just, I don't think that should be legal. But anyways, Disney really is notorious for, like, not taking care of their VFX crew and overworking them. And that's why their projects look the way they do. And I feel like it's just... It doesn't make sense to me because I feel like if everyone was, like, fairly compensated, if their work conditions were better, the products would be better and then more people would like the products and they would literally end up making more money. Like, let's get it together. But anyways, um, of course, they're set to unionize. Um, I, yeah, I mean, solidarity. <laughs> the solidarity 10-hour looping clip. Anyways, if you don't know that reference, just look it up on, um on uh, YouTube. Um, we also, here, here's the thing. I'm going to transition into something else that, hmm, I don't know. Yesterday, <laughs> yesterday, um, I tweeted something about how I'm trying so hard. There was a new, tr uh, po sorry, there was a new poster yesterday that was released for this film and I'm trying so hard to be excited for it. It's just like, it's not happening. Um, maybe I was at once, but like now I'm just kind of like, eh. or at least I, I wasn't. And then we got the trailer today as I'm recording this and I'm like, this trailer is really, really good. And I missed a certain element of this filmmaker's movies. So anyways, um, of course, David Fincher's upcoming film, The Killer, there was a new poster and a new trailer released for the film. Of course, it's starring Michael, it's starring Michael Fassbender, which Mm, I don't know how I feel about that. But anyways, it is going to be in theaters, at least select theaters in October. And then it is going to be on Netflix November 10th. Uh, how do I say this? Um, I'm, I don't know. Like, I was trying to be excited for the film. Um, the first poster that they released, it's, it's like a painted poster, so it looks really good, but then the rest of the design was really messy. But anyways, that's just me being like an art freak and like, yeah, whatever. The trailer is really well edited. Um, I'm, I'm excited for it, it to a certain extent. Like, I, I don't know, as someone who really, really loves Fincher, I feel like I should be more excited about it. Um, I... I literally blame Mank. Um, but anyways, the movie is about an assassin um, who, I guess to describe it, is kind of having to fight himself and his employers across the world. Yeah, after a near um, 
a near miss um because he's an assassin so anyways i i i why i don't know i i think i think fastbender being the lead is also kind of like making me kind of not as excited as i should be for this film mank i didn't hate the movie um it was definitely is kind of in the same vein as like white noise for me i think i might have explained this on the podcast before but just i don't know this these like these like tonal shifts for both of those directors both of the directors like bombac and um fincher kind of like threw me for a loop but like that's not necessarily bad. I don't know, like, of course, directors can expand on what they're doing. It's just, like, something, like, those films didn't necessarily click for me, but I didn't hate them. Um, there was a lot to be admired in both of them, but yeah, it's just, like, now I'm, like, okay, well, he's back in his, Fincher's back in his, like, thriller bag, like, okay, maybe I have to be a little bit more excited about this, um, which I'm, I'm trying to be, um, but yeah, it's, Again, like, I'm, I don't like the fact that these movies that I know would probably make a good amount of money get thrown on Netflix. Like, yes, it is, hmm, it is, it is going to be in select theaters in October. I'm sure a lot of people who love Fincher and love thrillers will be seated. But at the end of the day, like, a lot of people are like, okay, well, it's going to be on Netflix in two weeks. I might as well just wait and not give, spend money, I guess. Yeah, you know, um, it's just, it's, it it kind of is frustrating from someone who like tries to understand the industry and like how it operates and like why no one likes to make money um but anyways it's just i i don't i don't know like i think i think the november october time would be a very good time to release this movie in theaters like solely like i don't like the fact that it's going to be on netflix a couple weeks later like it doesn't or even like a week later like to me that doesn't necessarily make sense but um I don't know it's it it, I mean at the end of the day it's up to Fincher I he did an interview a couple years ago during like the Mank era um which I mean those interviews were all so gold um just the stuff he was saying but (laughs) I think I think above all else he said something about how as a director netflix kind of takes the pressure away from him um regarding first week ticket sales and stuff like that that's not necessarily something he has to worry about but i don't know i think with good marketing and you know fincher's name (laughs) alone it would have a lot a lot of people would have tuned in for this film and showed up to the theaters for it but i don't know they're not necessarily doing a solely theatrical release didn't be on netflix um but yeah anyways let's let's move on to speaking of box office and theaters and stuff like that barbie is officially warner brothers highest grossing global release of all time so in history it actually surpassed the last harry potter film which is i don't know i i didn't really I knew that the Harry Potter movies were huge. I just didn't think that it would be the highest grossing Warner Brothers movie. Um, but anyways, yeah. Um, Warner Brothers is kind of a mess right now. So I think they kind of need this win. Um, yeah, so Barbie, officially the highest grossing um, Warner Brothers film. 
I don't know if anyone knows what's going on with Warner Brothers. They're, I, I mean, I think I'll talk about it a little bit further in this episode, but it's just, they literally do not know what they're doing um, with their box office and stuff like that. So, yay them, I guess, that Barbie is making them all this money. But anyways, yeah. Um, I, I think it's really cool that someone like Greta Gerwig can, I guess, have this as her yeah, it's just cool that she's at the helm of this film. Um, I, I, it's it's cool that this movie isn't like a superhero property or a sequel. And yes, I understand it's connected to IP, but still, it's better than it being like again a soulless film. Um, but let's move on to some other news. So those who those who were waiting or excited for this. Um, I'm so sorry. But anyways, there's going to be a new, there was going to be, I should say, a new Spider-Wick Chronicles series. It was supposed to be on Disney+. Plus. The series is already filmed. It's completed. It is edited, or at least I think it's edited, but well, yeah, it's completed, so I'm going to assume that means it's edited as well. So it was going to be a six-episode series. Um, it was created by Paramount Television Studios and then 20th television um it was going to be on disney plus they are not moving forward with the series so it, at this point it doesn't have a home um what paramount and 20th television are doing is they're currently shopping it around as they should be um just because you know this this is a finished series there were children starring in it and i don't think it would be a good decision to have this kind of this yeah this series that is completed just sitting there not not having a home it kind of reminds me of the batgirl situation where that movie was done and warner brothers is just a mess and they were like we're not going to release this actually which kind of sucks like everyone worked on it everyone yeah like everyone worked on it um the actors were there the writers, the directors, and now it's just not being released. And I don't even know if they have, I guess, the files for the film anymore. Like, who knows what happened to it? But it's just, it to, to me, that just doesn't feel right. <laughs> I don't, again, like, I don't know the logistics of it or why that is even legal. But anyways, the Spider-Wick Chronicles series, not going forward at Disney+. Plus. Hopefully it finds a new home. I know a lot of people were a fan of the film that I think released in 2008 maybe. Uh, I think that's the year. But yeah, I, uh, hopefully it finds a new home. I'm going to get into some news regarding the strikes. So of course, those are still happening. And of course, solidarity with the writers, the actors, anyone else who feels the need to strike. Um, but it is, it is affecting a lot of scheduling. And that, of course, is not the strike's fault itself or the people that are striking. It is, of course, the people who don't want to pay them fairly and compensate them fairly for the work. But anyways, a lot of movies have been moved around and pushed. I think last week, uh, Juan and I spoke about poor things. Oh. You'll probably hear my dog barking in this episode, but um, it's okay. Immersive experience. Um, Anyways... So, one movie that got moved is Drive-Away Dolls. So, this is the upcoming Ethan Coen film. It looks so fun. I'm I'm super excited for the film. But, again, it was supposed to be released this year. And now it got moved to next year, February 23rd. I think, I think this being pushed, as much as I don't want it 
to be pushed just because I understand what that means. And, um, yeah, I, I understand what that means. And if things are getting pushed around, that means the strike's still happening, which means, you know, they're not being paid fairly. But, um, this being delayed kind of makes sense to me just because it is like a smaller budget film. It's an original film. It's not attached to IP, sequel, etc., franchise, etc. So this being moved around and having, you know, the a press tour would be really good. Um, having the, the actors and the people who worked on film like able to speak about it and on social media. And again, having that press tour is really vital for something like this. Um, so just not being able to do that, I think that would definitely um, be a little detrimental to the film. This, of course, is going, like, let's be honest here, this is going to be very, very, hmm, how do I say this? It's going to be a really, it's going to struggle. Like, it, it's going to be hard for it to make money because, again, everyone only goes to watch movies when it's, like, this huge event, when there's sequels, when they, it's, like, IP or, like, franchise or like superheroes which kind of like just makes me mad like why are you why would you go watch something just because it's connected to like a superhero that you don't even care about like go watch something that you think you'd be interested in and even if you hate it who cares just like experience it anyways so yeah this film being moved i think makes sense but there's another film that i am going to talk about right now that the the movement of the release date is so dumb like very bad just because again warner brothers doesn't know what they're doing so oh my god i just opened google and it was just like a huge picture of casey affleck in oppenheimer i hated that so much but anyways um dune part two one of the most anticipated films of this year i was excited for it millions of other people were it is being moved to march 15th 2024 the reason I think is this is a really bad decision is because this is a franchise film. It is connected to a very popular book. It has a first film. It is a sequel. So the fact that they're moving this just doesn't necessarily make sense to me um, because a lot of people already knew that it was coming out this year. A lot of people were going to buy tickets before the film was in theaters. So people were really aware of its existence already like people knew that it was happening so why would they ruin that and move it to a different date next year i think there's also the aspect of it feels very much like a fall blockbuster and having it in like the winter slash spring doesn't feel right to me i don't know like having it at the beginning of the year doesn't feel right to me i think dune is very much this like end of year blockbuster that we kind of really need in those times because I guess movies start making less during that time um but yeah I don't know just having it like not yeah like just having it like not be in its original date really doesn't feel like a smart decision to me um but anyways I don't know they they moved it it's official the reason I also think it's kind of stupid is that like yeah right now Zendaya and Timothy probably two of the most popular actors of the new generation I understand that they wouldn't be able to do a press tour together and obviously like the press tour gains a lot of traction for a film like Dune because a lot of people like seeing them interact um but I don't know like 
like I think every most of their fans knew. Like I feel like they've posted about it on their their feeds or something already. Like they could just pin it to their profile or whatever. I don't know. It's just it's it's weird. Um I I I get that aspect of it, like wanting the press tour, but at the same time, don't like why would you move it? I don't know. I think I think people would were already aware of it and were going to show up. And I don't think not being able to speak about it would actually affect it fully. Like I think this is one of those films that people were already excited about and were speaking about. The trailer was already released, so that already existed. I think the I think two days after this movement was announced, they dropped like two magazine covers. So that was already building a lot of anticipation for the film. And now just to have it moved like six months away just feels really odd to me. But um, what do I know? I don't, I don't know. But like, it's just, it, to me, this movement doesn't necessarily make sense or necessarily have to happen. Um, like, for example, I know that Warner Brothers is keeping the Wonka date, which I, I don't, I think that also should have, yeah, I think that staying should have been good because, um, the trailer already released. There was a lot of, like, buzz about it on social media, whether it be good or bad. I think most of it was bad, but anyways, um, that is staying, um, what else? I know Aquaman is also keeping its original release date, which ugh, I don't know. Like, I that I, there's literally no buzz around this movie. We have no idea what's happening with it. Um, there's no trailers. There's no posters. I think they might have released like one picture. So, anyways, I, I literally do not understand it. But anyways, um, yeah. So those are two films that are being moved to next year. Um, I really hope that, I mean, I mean, I think everyone has spoken about how sad they are, <laughs> about, like, for Denny, um, Denny Villeneuve, because, like, the first movie he had to deal with, like, it was the earlier days of the pandemic, and, um, a lot of theaters weren't necessarily operating, like, as they normally would, um, so he had to deal with that, but above that, he also had to, yeah, he had to deal with, um, the same day release that HBO was doing at the time, which is just a really bad thing. And at the time I was like, well, yeah, I get it. Like, uh, not everyone could go to the theater, but I look back on it and I'm like, I totally understand why he was upset about that. Um, they should have just waited a lot longer to release it to HBO Max or whatever it was called at the time. Um, so yeah, anyways, it's just definitely a, very messy, but, um, I'm excited for the films, both of them, uh, Driveway Dolls and Do, nonetheless. I'm going to move on to more, some more trailer news. So, Garth Davis, he is releasing a new film this year. It is called Faux. It is going to be in theaters on October 6th. This is, of course, starring Saoirse Ronan, who I'm so, so glad that she is in this film, Paul Mescal, and Aaron Pierre. Um, Aaron Pierre is really talented, and I'm so excited to see him in more stuff. And, of course, Paul Mescal. Like, what else can we say about him? Um, I I think this cast and I'm, is really cool. A lot of people have been comparing this this trailer, or I guess the film, the film's concept to Black Mirror, which I get. Um, but 
I don't know. I think just seeing it on a large scale in a theater is going to be really, really cool. The trailer does look really good. And what I mean by that is like the premise is exciting for me, but the editing and the the vision that I think for this film um, is really, really cool. It's about, well, it's about this couple. Um, they're like a farming couple and Paul Mescal's character is basically chosen to go to space. Um, this is me explaining it without having the information in front of me. And um, yeah, uh, they they said that since his wife, played by Sir Ronan, won't have him there on Earth, they're going to replicate him, um, essentially, so she won't be alone. Yeah, so it's only Paul Mescal's character that is going to be going to the space station um, while... Saoirse Ronan is going to be left with a robot and I totally understand that this does feel very Black Mirror-ish or esque. A lot of people have been saying that and I totally get it. Um, I think there is a, um, there's the, I think it's the episode with Hayley Atwell that does feel very similar to this, um, which yeah, I mean, but it's it's a concept, so I feel like it could be replicated in different ways. But yeah, I, I think I really like the look of the trailer. Um, it's futuristic, but also very grounded because they are a farming couple. Um, so yeah, or I keep calling them a farming couple. I don't know. If, I don't know. Farmers, they're farmers. Yeah, whatever. Um, but yeah, so we got the trailer, we got a poster as well. It's so cool to see Sersha back in, in something like this. Um, I'm also really happy that it's in theaters. I know that Amazon Studios, I'm pretty sure, uh, produced it or something like that, but it is going to be in theaters on October 6th. Go support it, go watch it. Um, I think this is going to be a really good movie to see, like, on a theater. Like, I think the sound editing will be good as well. So, yeah, um, we got the first trailer for Foe. The next couple of things that I'm going to be talking about on this episode pretty much all relate to the same thing. <laughs> so, I, I want to talk a little bit about the box office results for the limited release, or I think we sh I don't even want to call it a limited release because that's not necessarily what it was, but Bottoms was in theaters this past weekend, but it was only in select theaters, and I think by select, it was like 10 or something, um, or yeah, I, at least, at least the numbers that they're talking about was from 10 theaters, so the film is about, uh, two, two girls named PJ and Josie in high school, and there's this rumor swirling around that they went to juvie because of a miscommunication or like a communication error with one of their friends. Um, and yeah, it just spreads throughout the school that they went to juvie. And since um, the opposing football team at the other school um, is all, is kind of like attacking the girls at their school, they kind of capitalize off this in order to uh, create a quote-unquote fight club or like self-defense club where um, the girls can learn to defend themselves and they also want to, well, I mean, that's the premise of the club, but they're doing it so that they can hook up with their crushes who are uh, cheerleaders. It's just such an absurd wacky fun movie everything is over the top and that is definitely 
um, due to the writing of Rachel Sennett and Emma Seligman, but I think I think Rachel's comedy is really over the top, and so I think she definitely a lot of the more absurd and like campy things um, I think play into uh, Rachel's type of comedy. But anyways, yeah, so it was in theaters this past weekend, only in select theaters, and it debuted with five hundred and sixteen thousand dollars in this limited or selected theaters and that is a per theater average of 51,625 um regarding like this whole total which is just actually crazy it is one of the it is one of the best per theater averages um and of course when it is in when movies are in select theaters they do make more money um regarding like per theater average but it's just crazy that it's doing those numbers it i don't know if anyone is necessarily familiar with the way everything everywhere all at once which is of course the last best picture winner when it was released they, it kind of did have that like selected theaters thing as well and um it was just making a bunch of money at every single theater like the per theater average was just insane and it is kind of giving that like it is kind of replicating that regarding numbers um it's just cool to see this film do as well as it is as it is in just those selected theaters um it is really really popular on social media i i think honestly like as mentioned last week it there are too many clips of it floating around right now but nonetheless i don't think that's going to deter people from or you know make them not want to watch the film but yeah um it's it's such a fun movie to watch in a theater with a crowd um i know a lot of people are going to watch it more than once it sucks that there isn't necessarily international dates for it yet but i really do hope that they get announced soon i think it's going to be on prime video later this year but i think that's really good for like the international fans but um they also do still want to see it in theaters so i really do hope that um yeah, um, international dates get announced soon because I know a lot of people around the world really want to see this film. It's just, it's so good to see it in a crowd. Like, there are certain moments in the film that the whole crowd just started, like, like, roared and la- It was, like, like, completely, like, roaring in laughter. And then there was more, like, cringy scenes where everyone was just, like, oh, and, like, cringing and laughing together at the same time. It was so, it was such a fun experience. And that's why I love going to movie theaters, especially for something like this. Like, comedies in theaters is such a good experience. Like, I want, I need more, like, musicals and comedies and musical comedies like together like but um yeah i just need those kinds of films like in theaters because it's such a good thing to like see them on big screen and be in a crowd and experiencing that um but yeah it's just really cool that it's kind of like replicating the numbers that like everything everywhere all at once was like pulling um it is uh, yeah i mean like i don't want to call bottoms an indie movie because it definitely isn't like if your movie is more than like a million or two million you're not an indie movie. I like, I don't, I don't know what to say, but I think everyone understands what I'm saying. Like, this is an original film. It has a smaller budget. It's not necessarily tied to, it's not IP. It's not a franchise. Yeah, whatever. Um, a lot of the actors that are in it are up and coming, but mm, I don't even want to say that, but they are like, their, their, their fame is growing alongside the film, I guess I should say. And so it's just really cool to see it do as well as it is right now um it's it's just i can't say enough good things about it 
but uh, it's just I'm really glad that it's being replicated or like reflected in the ticket sales. And so, yeah, um, that that I just want to talk a little bit about the opening weekend numbers, and it is going to have a um, um, a more expanded release this weekend. But I'll speak about that a little later. So this is the part of the episode where we, I, we, I'll say we, we of course discuss, um, you know, a movie or a TV show that we just want to talk about. I guess I, I'm gonna, you know, stick with the, the bottoms theme. What I really wanted to talk about, or mm, let me, I didn't do the proper intro. So it's, uh, we're talking about a film or a television show that we want to talk about. It could be something we hate, love, one of our favorites, something we don't necessarily care about. It's just whatever we want to talk about regarding that. It could be like an element, it could be a performance, it could be anything, um, as long as we discuss it. I'm, what am I going to talk about? I want to talk about something that I guess is connected to Bottoms in a way. What I really, really enjoyed about the film is the dynamic between PJ and Josie. PJ is played by Rachel Sennett, Io Debris is um, Josie. What I really, really loved is the dynamic between those two. Um, and I think it's kind of like a classic in the teen comedy, spe- specifically like the more modern teen comedy, um, or like contemporary teen comedy. Um, but it's, it's shown throughout all teen comedies. I think the dynamic between, um, two friends or like a duo. So there's the more, how do I see this politely? There's the more asshole-ish friend, the friend who's a little bit more out there and a little bit more extra, and there's the more, like, timid or, like, a little, like, slightly kinder or, like, more considerate friend, so there's the two sides of that friendship, and obviously that causes rifts, but at the end of the day, their differences do kind of come together to create this, this friendship that is very whole, and, um, I, I really, really love that dynamic, and it's such a classic within the genre, um, yeah, so I, I want to talk about, like, how a lot of the, the films that I've seen it and how it operates. So I think it's really, I think it kind of is, like, the, the super bad formula or, and, and how, you know, there's, like, the Jonah, Jonah Hill and the Michael Sarah characters and how distinct they are, but they, their, their, their chemistry is so good that it just works. And I think we can also see that with, something like Booksmart, which there's the Beanie Feldstein and the, the Caitlin Deaver, like, dynamic, which obviously that it, it's kind of, like, the same as the Booksmart, or, sorry, the super bad dynamic, but, like, very much its own thing still, and Bottoms kind of continues with that as well, like, the, like, Beanie's character is very, like, uptight and very, very much, um, a little bit more uh, forward, whereas um, Caitlin's character is kind of um, a little bit more shy, I guess we could say, um, a little bit more reserved. But it's such a good dynamic because why? Like, I don't necessarily want to see a friend duo that are the exact same person because then that doesn't create tension. But it's also like, how can I differentiate them from as an audience? member or as someone who like looks at film and like how can I decipher them um and how can I you know think of a characteristic and assign it to that character um and yeah so Bottoms does that really well I really really liked 
I really, yeah, I mean, I think, I think what's interesting about this dynamic is that both their friends, the duo has a goal, and it's interesting to see how the difference in characteristics and in, um, yeah, whatever personalities plays into how they go about reaching that goal. So anyways, um, I, I really like that friend dynamic, and I feel like anyone who, like, is familiar with, you know, that kind of dynamic knows what I'm talking about and knows that it is really, um, essential to the success of a film like this. And I'm gonna end this, like, really quickly. I mean, I've spoken about the film so often that it's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like, do I need to say anything else about it? And, uh, the answer is yes. Um, it's just, I, I loved this movie so much. Like, Bottoms is in theaters this weekend. I've already explained what it's about. Um, it's in more theaters this weekend. So, last weekend was, like, the selected theaters weekend. And, um, it's gonna be, it's such a good movie. Like, I, I think watching it in a theater is just the best way to watch this movie. I, I, as mentioned, I, I, of course, received a screener, um, because I needed to interview Emma and, what I really, really liked is having that opportunity to watch it by myself and, like, laugh for 90 minutes, but then s sitting in that theater and, like, having already watched everything and, like, knowing when things are about to happen and kind of taking in what is really well-received with the audience, which, I don't know, like, maybe I thought for some reason, like, oh, maybe this, this joke won't land, um... Because it's, like, very much my type of comedy, but maybe it won't be someone else's. But every single joke was just, like, it was, like, one hit after another. It was just, it, it was just really, really cool. Like, I think, I think it was kind of, it, we always talk about, like, a joke a minute, like, movies and stuff like that. But it really is. It was just, there was, like, so much in the film that is worthy of laughing. Like, I, <laughs> or laughter, I should say. It's all the the like jokes that are of course said out loud really really funny but there's also as mentioned there's so many things in the background and foreground that are happening that are just so hilarious and then there's like stuff written down there's posters there's graphics in it it's just um i don't know i think i think the screenplay is really really impressive um just because of all the details that are included in it and we need to campaign it for best original screenplay um, unfortunately, Celine Song is winning that for Past Lives. I'm, I said unfortunately as if I hated that movie. That's, like, literally my second favorite movie of the year, Behind Bottoms. But, um, it's just, um, Behind Bottoms. Anyway, um, it's, 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 it, I, I, I was joking when I said unfortunately. I just meant, like, Celine Song, that, that screenplay is going to be really hard to beat this, this award season. I mean, I don't really like thinking of award season, but at least that's what I think. Like, it is going to be a tough one to beat. But anyways, yeah. So, uh, Bottoms is in theaters. I'm excited to have people that I know that, um, I'm, like, recommending this to, like, come back to me and talk to it, talk to me about it. But it's just such a fun time. I really can't stress enough how well-written and well-blocked it is. And, um, I mean, if you, if you think of kind of the influences regarding this film you can see them but it is wholly its own thing 
Um, so yeah, I'm excited about this film to have a wider release. I'm probably gonna go watch it again. Uh, I already watched it three times, but w that's not stopping me. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for it. What else do I want to say? Um, of course, the interview with, my interview with Emma will be up eventually. I don't know when, but, um, I, uh, follow me on social media, Vanessa on Films, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and, uh, I will tweet about it or, like, post about it, and you can click the link that I, uh, that I, that I, uh, provide, and it'll be there, and you can watch it, and you can share it, and it's, it's definitely, like, just, like, a short little video, but I'm, I'm really glad that I got to do it, and it was just fun having that experience of the advanced screening at TIFF, um, it's just, it, it, yeah, it's great, um, yeah, uh, what else, what else, uh, all the things will be in the description, this was fun, I, I like talking to myself, or pretending that I'm talking to someone, uh, when I record these by myself, but anyways, um, what about, what else do I want to say, uh, oh, um, oh yeah, I know what I want to say, bye!